For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Brought to you by great listeners just like yourself. Just visit our Patreon page. Go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash baseball talk, and you'll be a sponsor of our show. everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the baseball talk radio show where we're talking all about our favorite sport and i'm betting it's probably yours as well gary mack how are you i'm great rich as we uh get closer and closer it's almost here we're hours away from opening day and uh, a great time of the year and and rich i'm excited because we got a a terrific guest on tonight and uh can't wait to bring him on Yes, indeed, Gary. I had to go to Wikipedia for this, but I, I wanted to know what season we were welcoming in here. A hundred and seventeenth season of Major League Baseball about ready to kick off this weekend on Sunday night. We have the Cubs and the Cardinals kicking everything off, and it's going to be a great weekend. It certainly is, and and of course. Uh... Uh, the Mets and the, and the Phillies will get underway, uh, not against each other, but they'll get underway on Monday. And uh, I can't wait to uh, have my time preoccupied again with baseball. Yep, it's a great pastime, America's pastime, if you will. And as you said, Gary, we have a very special guest on tonight. We're not going to keep him waiting at all. Mr. Hal Bach with a great baseball book. And why don't you introduce him? Well, you're right there, Rich. Uh, Hal Bach is an award-winning sports writer and columnist and uh, an adjunct professor at LI University, and uh, he worked for the Associated Press for over 40 years. He has 13 books out, including The Last Chicago Club's Dynasty, Before the Curse, and his latest work is a book called Banned, Baseball's Blacklist of All-Stars and Also Ran, and he's on the line with us right now. Hal, uh, welcome to the Baseball Talk Radio Show. Good to be with you guys. Hal, that's a great book you have out, uh, Banned, Baseball's Blacklist of All-Stars and Also Rans. Can you tell our listening audience how you came up with that title and what inspired you to write it? Well, it's a continuing saga in baseball. Guys get themselves in hot water. I mean, everybody knows about the 1919 Black Sox who fixed the World Series, and everybody knows about the aftermath when nine men were uh, thrown, eight men were thrown out of the game permanently, including uh, shoeless Joe Jackson and and Eddie Seacott, the pitcher. There were some great players on that team, and, and they were just barred for, for life. And I just got to thinking about other individuals who ran afoul of baseball, and there are a ton of them. I mean, it's, it's gone on. Somebody asked me the other day, when did it start? Well, I traced it back to 1876, which was the first year of the National League, and it's been going on ever since. 
And we had the latest example this week when Juris Familia of the Mets uh, got a 15-game suspension from uh, the commissioner. So, you know, you just it just goes on and on. And and as you said, it 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 goes back to the beginning of the game, and and who who was the first guy that you could document that was really suspended uh, for from the game? Well, it started in 1876. The uh, there was a team in Louisville called the Louisville Grays, and uh, they were a very good team, and they were in first place. They had. Uh, they had won uh, uh, 26 of 38 games, or 37 games. And they were in first place, and they went on a road trip, and they suddenly went south. They suddenly lost 10 out of 11 games, some of them under suspicious circumstances. So um, the uh, one of the baseball writers who was covering the team happened to be the son of the owner of the Louisville Grays, and he, he went to his father, and he, he reported his suspicions. And the guy he sent it on was a pitcher named Jim Devlin. And Jim, ironically, Jim Devlin had been approached the year before about fixing games, and he was outraged at the idea. But in 1876, he, I guess, times were tough, <laughs> and he thought, well, maybe this might be a way to make a buck. So Jim Devlin was a pitcher, and he was the first one, and he drew three or four other guys in with him. So there were four guys who uh, were suspended, they were the first ones to go. And it just continued after that. Uh, there was an outfielder named Lipman Pike who got himself suspended three times. Uh, the, the third time he was suspended was supposed to be uh, for life. Oh, the second time was supposed to be for life. And uh, he pleaded his case, and he was allowed back into the game. And uh, by this time, he was kind of old. He was the first slugger in the game. He, he led the league with six home runs one year. And uh, but this time he by this time he was a little old, and he's playing the outfield, and he committed three errors in one inning, allowing the winning runs to score against his team, and immediately the suspicions came back, and he was suspended for life. So Lipman Pike was is one of my favorite stories in the book, and uh, there are a ton of stories in that book, and and I really enjoyed the research, and I really enjoyed the writing of it. And how difficult it is to research a book like this? Uh, you have to go through the archives, and, and uh, it, it's tough. It is tough, but um, if you're committed to it, uh, you can do it. I mean, there there are sources. Um, the uh, the Encyclopedia of uh, of Baseball, uh, the Baseball Reference, uh, is a great source for statistics. I mean, there are sources out there. And uh, there are a lot of books that have been written, certainly about the Black Sox. So there is a lot of material available. And, and uh, I, it took me some time, but I, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed the research. I enjoyed the writing. How one section of talks about Pete Rose, Gary and I, kind of big fans of Pete Rose. Um, how does he appear in your book, and what's your personal feelings about him? Uh, Pete Rose, there's a chapter in the book about Pete. Uh, my personal feelings are that he's been out of the game since 1989. Uh, 1989, that's uh, 28 years ago. There are people who committed all kinds of mayhem who were jailed and, and have been released in less than 28 years. So I think that Pete Rose has served his time. He's 75 years old now. 
Uh, he's the only uh, only one of two players who ever got 4,000 hits. He got more hits than anybody in the history of the game. I think it's time to for baseball to forgive and forget. I know he committed a terrible sin. Uh, it's, that's like the first sin in baseball is gambling and betting on your team and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, there comes a time when it, you, you can just say, okay, enough is enough. Let's let Pete Rose back into the game. Maybe not as a manager, maybe not as a coach, maybe just as a goodwill ambassador. But he should be in the Hall of Fame, and he should be welcomed back into baseball. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, last year, he was sort of welcomed back into baseball with the being able to appear in Cincinnati, being honored. And this year, I believe the Phillies have gotten permission to also honor Pete Rose in Philadelphia if they choose to do so. So I haven't heard any announcement on that yet, but it's certainly moving in the right direction. I think, as you said, the guy has paid his dues. He's a living legend of the game. He did violate one of the cardinal rules of the game, but I think after so many years, um, he's probably served his time, so to speak, and it would be a crime to uh, let him uh, fade into the sunset, so to speak, without getting a, a just due from baseball. You know, when you're a kid growing up, I remember when I was a, a child growing up and I, I fell in love with this sport. And I asked my father, well, who has the most home runs in baseball? And he told me, well, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth had 714 home runs. That's the most home runs. And who had the most hits? A kid always asks these questions. And I'm sure that that question is asked about who has the most hits. At the time I was growing up, it was Ty Cobb, 4,000 hits. Now it's Pete Rose. And what is a father supposed to say to his kid when that question comes up? Oh, it's Pete Rose, but he's been banned from the game? I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of foolish, really, uh, when you think about it. Pete, Pete's been banned from the game for 28 years. It's time to just say, okay, Pete, you're welcome back. And there is a move toward that. Certainly, he was admitted to the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, last summer and it was a very touching ceremony for him and uh he was welcomed on the fox network in the postseason to broadcast games which was a good thing i thought i thought he did a good job so i mean it's time to move on you know you can't hold this kind of thing over his head forever and and the fact uh now that uh that baseball is so closely tied to these uh betting sites essentially uh, you know they can they can say call them fantasy but it's a betting site and you know uh, uh the name escapes me right now FanDuel um and the, uh, the other one I can't think of but uh uh with that they've got chunks in these uh uh sites and and yet they're still keeping him out and for the betting I think it's kind of a hypocritical thing to do I agree 100%. You're entirely right. Uh, and I was, I was shocked when baseball embraced those, those sites. And if they're going to embrace those sites, that's fine. But then you can't, as you said, it's hypocritical to then take this stand against one of your greatest players. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the other site uh, is DraftKings. But, yeah, that's, it's amazing that baseball embraced that as, as much as they did. How another player we've always heard through the years that was sort of dirty but not necessarily blacklisted was Ty Cobb. He was one of the 
roughest and meanest players um, of his day. Did he happen to make your book at all with this, or is it strictly uh, the blacklist? It was no, he did not make my book, uh, which I'm sure he's pleased about wherever he is today. <laughs> but but uh, there was a rumor that Cobb and Tris Speaker were in cahoots. Uh, and was supposed to have fixed a game or fixed uh, a couple of games. But I never could nail that down, and I wasn't going to write uh, fantasy. You know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted facts. I wanted to make sure that what I wrote was factual. So I, I did not include uh, Ty Cobb. But I'm sure, you know, in the time, everybody was fixing games. It was, it was like a pastime. <laughs> the, the, I mean, it's amazing uh, how many uh, games were... were uh, either fixed or, or, or gambled on. I mean, that's what they did. That's what the players did. They were making no money. You have to understand, you, today the minimum salary is $500,000, and that's for the 25th man on the roster. But in those days, those players made no, next to nothing. And, and uh, so if they could make a few extra bucks, they were going to do it. They were tempted, and they were going to do it. Uh, the, the Black Sox, the saga of the Black Sox, starts with Ed Seacott, the pitcher. Ed Seacott was the best pitcher on their staff, and he negotiated a contract with Charles Comiskey, who was the owner of the team, uh, that paid him a $10,000 bonus if he won 30 games. Well, Seacott got to 29 wins, and Comiskey ordered the manager, Kid Gleason, to shut him down. Don't pitch him again. Well, then he can't win that 30th game. He can't collect the $10,000 bonus. This made Ed Seacott a little unhappy. <laughs> so when the gamblers came around with a $10,000 payoff, Seacott said, you know what? I'll do it. And that, that's kind of typical of what went on in those days. The owners were tightwads. They wouldn't pay a penny more than they had to. And so the players were always looking for a way to earn a few extra bucks. And this was a way to do it. And in your book, you have a, uh, a most recent player for the New York Mets, somebody that's uh, very close to Gary Mack, uh, <laughs> so be kind to him. But Henry Mejia, um, how do you think he's uh, impacted the game of baseball, and uh, what do you see for him in the future? I, I, think, I think he took stupid pills. I mean, I don't understand how you allow yourself to be suspended not once, not twice, but three times. Um, but his suspension led to the emergence of Familia as the Mets close him. Familia set a record with 51 saves last year. And it's ironic that now Familia is banned for, well, not a, short, a shorter period of time, obviously, 15 games. But they were buddies, you know. Uh, the two of them were, were pals in the, in the Mets clubhouse. And it's kind of ironic that, that uh, both of them ran afoul of, uh, of the rules and regulations. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Mejia was a complete idiot to get banned twice. And and not only that, to fail a test, I believe, while he was still on a suspension. And, <laughs> and, and, that know, is terrible. That really is bad. <laughs> that's just the key to stupidity. And you mentioned Familia as well. And uh, uh, let's not forget that the year before, on almost the same date, uh, uh, Jose Reyes got in trouble for the same thing that Familia did. So 
They've they've the Mets have to keep these uh, players busy on Halloween or Halloween weekend or something. <laughs> um, I guess that's it. You know, <laughs> trick or treat. You yeah, know? <laughs> two guys in two years for the uh, Reyes wasn't with the Mets, of course. Then, but uh, still. Um, it, it's just crazy stuff. But uh, you, you mentioned the Black Sox, and of course, everybody saw the movie Eight Men Out, and, uh, and they know uh, basically the story. But uh, I'm always confused with Shoeless Joe Jackson. Was did he do it, or and uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, didn't he get money and repaid it, or am I wrong there? Uh, he got five thousand dollars. He didn't know what he was doing. I mean, Shoeless Joe was an illiterate. Yeah. He was a great, great baseball player, terrific hitter. And you should know that in the 1919 World Series that he was accused of fixing, he led, the, led all batters in, in the World Series. He led all hitters in the World Series. So how bad could he have been you know, playing? How, mm-hmm. how bad was he fixing? I mean, you know, he was loyal to his teammates. And he was a good teammate. And the teammates were fixing the games. And he said, sure, I'll go along with that. And he got $5,000. He went, he tried to go to Comiskey to kind of confess, and Comiskey wouldn't see him. Uh, Comiskey was a tough guy, you know, a tough owner. Yeah. And uh, so he was swept up in this, in this thing, and uh, <laughs> he, he really was an innocent bystander. He did not fix games, but you could say that about a couple of them. There were some players on that team, on that group of eight, who were definitely fixing games. Buck Weaver, the third baseman, was banned because he knew about the fix and didn't say anything. Well, wait a minute, you know. He wasn't going to give up his teammates, his buddies, but Judge Landis said everybody, everybody goes. And uh, so that was the start, really, of uh, widespread suspensions and, and people being banned. And and you do mention in the book uh, the story of Dickie Carr, who was one of the uh, clean uh, clean guys in that series. Could you tell That's us? one of my favorite stories in the book. Dickie Kerr won two games in the 1919 World Series, which was being fixed. The team was trying to lose games. He won two games. <laughs> he was a rookie that year. And a year or two later, he held out. And Judge Landis was having none of this holdout business. You held out? You're out of the game. He suspended him for life. Well, suspended for life. He came back, and uh, he did not win any more games for the White Sox, but he became a minor league coach. And now he's coaching in the low minors, like in those days probably Class D or Class B. And uh, he's got a, a, a an outfielder, I'm sorry, a pitcher, who uh pretty good pitcher, but he fell. This pitcher fell fielding a bunt, hit his left elbow. He was a left-hander, hit his left elbow, and he was in bad shape. He couldn't pitch, and he thought his career was over. And Dickie Kerr, who was the coach on that team, said, you know what, you're a pretty good hitter. Why don't we try to turn you into an outfielder? And that player was Stan Musial. <laughs> so Dickie Kerr was responsible <laughs> for the development of one of the greatest hitters in the history of the game, even though he had been... Dickie Kerr had been suspended by Judge Landis, banned by Judge Landis. So there are interesting stories like that throughout the book, and and that's why I enjoyed researching it, and then I enjoyed writing it. We're talking with award-winning Associated Press sports writer Hal Bach, 
who's brought us a great baseball book here called Banned Baseball's Blacklist of All-Stars and also, Rans. Hal, you've had a great 40-year career. You've covered 30 World Series, 30 Super Bowls, 11 Olympic Games. Can you uh, tell our listeners if any of those World Series left a big impression on you? What What is your favorite, most memorable World Series that you've covered? When I came to the Associated Press, uh, I wanted one of my ambitions was to write the first game, the first lead on a story on a World Series, the game story on the World Series. And the first time I had that opportunity was 1972, Cincinnati Reds and the Oakland Athletics. And that series went seven games, and six of them were one-run games, and they turned, many of them turned in the last inning, requiring me to throw out the story I had already written and start from scratch. And it's a great deal of tension, a great deal of pressure. And when I got through with that World Series, I said, you know, there's nothing that can, they can throw at me that I can't handle. Because if I could handle this, I could handle anything. Uh, the, one of the greatest thrills for me was the, uh, the 1977 World Series when Reggie Jackson hit three home runs on three pitches in the uh, sixth game. I thought that was an amazing feat. Um, but there were a lot of moments and a lot of uh, a lot of adventures, and, and I had a great time with it. I enjoyed it every moment of it. Yeah, that Oakland A's team was magical in the early '70s. I was growing up as a kid then, and that's when baseball actually grabbed me, and I, I couldn't get away from it. Since then, I, I just all those characters from Catfish Hunter to uh, Vita Blue, Gene Tennis. They're all still embedded in my brain from being a kid. That was uh, a great era. Three straight big- world championships. Yep. Three, three straight they won. Yeah. Amazing. And how you, you've seen a lot of games. And, and uh, what do you think about the changes that the commissioner is making in the games today? Leave my game alone. Please <laughs> leave my game alone. I, I hate the changes. I hate the idea of a automatic intentional walk. I've seen intentional walks turn into wild pitches. I, in the 1972 World Series that we were just talking about, Johnny Bench is at the plate, and they, they feign an intentional walk to him. And Raleigh Fingers was on the mound for the A's, and Fingers snuck a third strike past Johnny Bench in what he thought was going to be an intentional walk. So stuff happens. That's what makes baseball such a, a fascinating game. You never can tell what's going to happen. A wild pitch on an intentional walk. Uh, last season, the Yankees' uh, young star, Gary Sanchez, reached out and hit a sacrifice fly when they were trying to give him an intentional walk. That's, that's part of the fun of baseball, uh, the, the unpredictability of it. So I hate that idea. The idea that they floated, which I thought was hilarious, uh, to extra inning games, you know, if you have extra innings, you could you could play a lot of extra innings. I once covered a game that went 25 innings between the Cardinals and the Mets, so I know that you can play a lot of extra innings. <laughs> and um, they floated this idea about starting extra innings with a man on second base. Wait a minute, a man on second base? How did he get there? Oh well, it's just automatic. We put him on second base this way. He has an opportunity to score and team can go ahead, and the game can be over, and we'll go home. 
why do we have to all go home? You paid your admission price to see a baseball game. A baseball game will be decided sooner or later. Now, you can choose to go home if it's getting late, but let them play the game out. There's no clock in baseball. Every other sport has a clock. Baseball doesn't have a clock. Play the game out. So uh, I wrote a column the other day about this, and, and uh, I said if you really want to shorten the game, instead of playing it the way we've always, we've always played it, let the two managers sit down at a, a table at home plate and play a game of Stratomatic Baseball, <laughs> and it'll be over in an hour, and we can all go home. I mean, you know, that's not, that's not what we paid for when we paid for the price of admission. So that's my thought about that. I, I hate tinkering. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, some people, it takes them an hour and a half to get to the ballpark, and and then an hour later they want you to leave. I mean, it's crazy. They want to speed up the game, and we know what delays the, the game. It's the damn commercials. That's the way you do it, but they're not going to touch that because that's their revenue, so they got to find other ways. But, look, some of it may be okay. You want to speed the pitcher up a little bit, okay, but – I'm with you with with the uh, intentional walk. Just let it go. Let it. He throws four pitches. I mean, come on. It's not. Well, how much time enough. are you going to save? I, I mean, it's ridiculous. I think it, it they, really is. It's foolishness. I think they figured out something that over the course of a season it could save like 14 seconds or something. Or I, well, how, how often ridiculous. do you see an intentional walk? You may have seen one every two, three games. It's just foolishness. It really is. It, it, I couldn't agree more. It's really silly. <laughs> We're talking with Hal Bach. He's the author of Band, Baseball's Blacklist of All-Stars and All-Star-Rands. You have 16 books left in stock on Amazon. Let's hope some of our listeners can click the button and add this wonderful book <laughs> to their cart. Maybe we'll sell out your books on Amazon for now. They'll have to restock them, but... Uh, Thank you very much for appearing on the show, Hal. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. And are you making any appearances with the book uh, in the tri-state area at all? Yeah, I will be. Uh, there's a uh, there's a bookstore down in Greenwich Village called Bergino's Baseball Clubhouse, and I'll be in there. I don't know exactly what date yet, but I'll be in there sometime this summer. I'll probably be at the Sabre uh, Convention at the Grand Hyatt, uh, in uh, late June, early July, I'll probably be there. Uh, I'm doing a, a reading here in my hometown of East Williston here on Long Island. Uh, that'll be May 20th. I'm going to sign some books and, and do a reading. So I'll be around <laughs> here and there. All right. And if you're in that area, go check out uh, Hal Bach and his book, Band, the uh, Baseball's Blacklists. Of all stars and also ran and uh, and Hal, as Rich said, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks very much for having me. And that was Hal Bach, uh, Gary Mack. I, I'm going to run out and get this book. I love it. Yeah, it sounds like a great book, and uh, I can't wait to get my copy as well. And uh, he. he Hal sounds like a great guy and, and uh, really enjoyed having him on the show. Yes, indeed. What a great career. 40 years. He's probably seen so many different plays in person, you know, at these World Series. And also, I'm betting he's probably written about 
regular games as well and the biggest names over the last 40 years. So, yeah, it was great having him on the show. And uh, how about this weekend, Sunday night, starting off the baseball season, and then Monday, everybody else follows suit. I can't believe baseball season is almost back. I can't either, Rich. It's going to be great. And, uh, you know, they're doing some other things as as well as, uh, you know, screwing up with the intentional walk. But, uh, Rich, I read an article about uh, something called passes that that a number of the teams are are doing and uh, they're using as a ticketing option and, uh, some of them sound like pretty good deals where you pay a monthly fee and you get access to a number of games. Uh, you get this pass and, and you go to a number of games. And in some instances, it's uh, standing room only or it's 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 uh, designated as standing room only. But uh, they they give you a, a seat a lot of times and, and you can get uh, I guess it's the best obtainable seats that that particular game that's left um kind of a unique idea a number of teams doing it the cardinals the twins the yankees the phillies the pirates the brewers the angels the tigers and the white Sox. and i think uh, that's what i see on the list right now they're the ones uh trying this new idea out and you know what? I'm I'm okay for something like that. Uh, trying a little something new to get people into the parks, and and uh, they have to try something rich because that's another part of the problem with the game is the prices are so high. It's you know it's not the food. I think people will pay for the food because they figure it's like a night out, and and but it's it's the tickets and the parking and and everything else that when you add that all up. That's the killer. Yeah, and it's like the $8 bag of popcorn at the movies. You're you're going to spring for that because it's got the hot butter on it and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> but that's the same thing as the ballpark. You're getting a hot dog probably wrapped up in aluminum foil, but it always tastes better at the ballpark. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I, I went last year and um, – I went to uh, there's a place called Keats Grill, which is named after Keith Hernandez, and I don't know if he has a financial interest in it, but uh, he's done little, uh, you know, uh, he's gone down there and and actually flipped a couple of burgers a couple of times for TV. But uh, um, I got the uh, oh, what did they call it? The Mex, I think it was. That was his nickname, and they named his burger with the. A uh, big burgo with the you know the kitchen sink on it, and uh, what was it twelve fifteen dollars or something? And uh, you know what I said? How many games do I go to a year? I'm gonna enjoy it. Now it was a very good burgo. Was it worth that? Probably not, but you know um, it was well worth it uh, for me. Um, I was there. I said, what the heck. And it tasted good, and that's really the bottom line. So, uh, you know, and and if you don't go, I don't go to as many games as I used to when I was younger. I had season tickets, and then, you know, we got into the habit of bringing our own food or uh, tailgating before the game and, and eating then. And, and uh, 
but in those days you'd spend a lot of money on the beers, you know. But uh, those days are gone, and and, uh, and so I, I go now and enjoy maybe an expensive sandwich <laughs> just to see. And as you said, those ticket plans are great. A lot of the teams that aren't doing that well are the ones that can afford to do it because they're not selling out to stadiums in the first month, month and a half, maybe even two months till summer comes along. But uh, yeah, the Phillies have a $50 promotion. It's called the April seat deal. You're going to get 11 home games. You can go to all 11 or two or three of them if you want. But once you get to the ballpark, you check in on the MLB ballpark app and you'll actually get an assigned seat for it. So it's a, it's a novel way to bring in fans to the ballpark. I'm considering getting one myself. Um, I'm supposed to be going to opening day. Now, my wife's been doing some advanced scouting for me, and she tells me it may rain next Friday, which is in Philadelphia's opening day. So <laughs> now oh. I'm watching the weather forecast, but uh, definitely a novel way to bring fans in at only $50 for 11 games. That's pretty reasonable. Well, I just looked ahead at the weather, and it looks like there are some showers, but, uh, I, you know, I think you got to take the chance. They, you know, opening day, they're going to try to squeeze that baby in there to home opening. So um, I, I'm sure there'll be baseball in Philadelphia. But, uh, yeah, it is a novel idea. You know, and, and this is an idea, I think, that, that came from the minor leagues again. And I I think they test a lot of these things where the minor leagues uh, have the creativity down there, and then the major leagues will suck up those ideas as as they go on, or if they promote these people within, they get to the majors, and some of these things they, they're trying. Uh, I know that uh, the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones here, another team that I do a podcast for, Short season A League uh, team of the Mets. They have a flex book, which is same, kind of the same principle. You can buy an eleven game flex book or a twenty game flex book, and there's no dates on any of the tickets. And you can go to the game, and they'll give you the best available seat uh, that they have for that game. So, uh, kind of, kind of in the same ballpark, if you will. No pun intended there. But uh, uh, as as this idea with the passes, so um, it's it, it's an interesting idea, and we'll see if it catches on. That's for sure. Well, let's take a little break in the podcast for now. We'll come back on the other side, talk a little bit more about opening day for 2017, a little bit of uniforms talk, and uh, then we'll wrap this edition up. It's already been a great edition, and we'll be back after this message. We want to thank all of our listeners for listening to the Baseball Talk Radio Show. To get in contact with us is easy. You can reach me at rich at baseballtalkradio.com, or you can reach Gary at gary at baseballtalkradio.com. You can send us an email or a voicemail. We'd be glad to get it on the program. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Go to our website, mlbthisweek.com, and you can find the links those areas on twitter we're at mlb this week so give us a follow there and you'll get the latest updates and news from this podcast on when we're doing our shows and our opinions in the world of baseball 
And uh, Rich, uh, like to tell the people that they can hear this show as well as your show, Phillies Talk, and and my show, Mets Musings, on the BaseballTalkRadio.com website. And uh, you can listen to over 30 podcasts about baseball, the game. Uh, a lot of them cover individual teams. And uh, but but everything's covered there. There's a fantasy um, sports, a fantasy baseball site. It's a Japanese baseball site. The baseball PhD was an interesting character. Uh, he's there and he's on there. And uh, just uh, everything you want about baseball is at BaseballTalkRadio.com, the home of great baseball talk shows. Yes, sir, Gary. Just check it out. BaseballTalkRadio.com. More shows being added every day. So check it out. BaseballTalkRadio.com. And we're back talking baseball here. 2017 Opening day just around the corner now, just uh, 48 hours away, just about from the time we're doing this podcast. We're all pumped up. We're all psyched. And, Gary, uh, this year, uh, Major League Baseball is going to have a a little twist to the hats um, on the uniforms. A new era, the folks that make those hats are going to have their own logo on the side of the hats, and it's kind of stirred a little bit of uh, controversy with some fans. A lot of them don't like that little N with the flag uh, waving in the wind, so to speak. But uh, this year, that's going to be standard issue on the left side of every player's cap in 2017. And already there's a lot of fans that have taken to uh, different methods to taking this logo (laughs) off. They don't like the look on it. It's sort of a, trips up the hat, so to speak. And uh, just a little interesting tidbit there about uh, uniforms in the start of 2017. Well, Rich, uh, here it is. This is what it's going to look like. This is not, this is a a new era hat, but it is a a, a adjustable one. Uh, It's not the official on the field one, but they've had it on there for uh, a number of years. And minor league teams have had it. Uh, the last few years as well uh, with the uh, the new era pennant uh, flag on the side waving, as you say. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it. I, you know, it's like anything else. You're going to get, you're going to grow used to it. And uh, as long as they don't have, you know, Joe's barbershop or on the left side and, and uh, Tony's auto body on the right, you know, um, they could get to that next year. I believe the uniforms will be made by Under Armour, and supposedly the Under Armour logo is going to be on the front of the jersey, which I don't think uh, I'm going to like the look of that. Uh, you know, in years past, the uh, Rawlings, when they had the contract, it was on the left sleeve, I believe, or it's on one of the sleeves. Um, Rawlings um, Majestic that has the current contract the same deal it was on the sleeve now apparently Under Armour is going to have it on the chest somewhere um, don't know how that's going to look you know especially like you, you know the Yankees uniform I mean uh, they got the big NY there what in the middle right above it they're going to have UA or whatever the Under Armour 
it, well, it's a U and an A, you know, you know, the, uh, the logo. Um, I don't know how that's going to go over. I, I, the, the sleeve I could live with. I don't think that's going to go over too well when, when you've got a team name across and then you're going to have this logo sitting there. Um, I don't know, but that's, uh, I think a year away. I think they take over next year, the unis and, uh, I guess it's you know it's it comes back to one thing, Rich. Like we said with the commercial breaks, it's all about money, and that's all it is. It's money that they're gonna get paid, Major League Baseball, and um, it's hard to uh, cut into that. Yeah, and speaking of cutting into things, uh, if you're watching the video version, I just put up a, a picture of what some fans are doing to take these logos off their hats, uh, seam pullers they're using. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Gary. I don't, I don't like to see a lot of extra, um, logos, so to speak on uniforms. Uh, but we did see that a little bit in the world baseball classic. I think, uh, the Japanese team, if memory serves me correct, one of the teams from the Orient had some extra advertising, on it and yeah it does it takes away the professionalness of the game i think it it sort of adds a little bit of um i don't know intrusion into the game i guess you want to call it yeah i mean i you know the sleeves and everything as i said it that doesn't bother me i don't know how i'm going to feel on the body of the uniform but uh, you know, the NBA is going to do it, I believe, but they're going to actually going to have names of companies or something. It'll be very limited. Probably the big companies that partner with the NBA, those are the ones that they'll have. Um, as you say, they do it in Asia. They do it in the Caribbean, uh, in, in the Latin America baseball. Um, they have it, uh, they have ads on the hard helmets. They have, you know, uh, endorsements and stuff. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, We've had it on shoes for a number of years between the Nike and the New Balance and the Adidas. And uh, now it's it's just making its way up. And it, it's all about the money, Rich. That's all it is. Yes, it is all about the Benjamins, I guess you got to say. <laughs> and... Uh, what can you do? That's just the world that we live in, uh, in 2017. But, uh, some of the other things on uniforms this year, and I really like looking forward to the changes in some of the uniforms and things, but I was reading a little bit about the Marlins and of course they're hosting this year's 2017 all-star game. They're going to have a nice shoulder patch, uh, signifying that for this year. The Marlins are, and they're also going to be wearing a number 16 uh, to honor their pitcher, Jose Fernandez, who died just before last season, before the end of last season, that is. So uh, a couple of extra patches going to be worn by the Marlins this year. And of course, uh, just recently, Dallas Green passed away and the Phillies will be honoring him with a with a uh, special patch on their jersey as well. So a uh, couple honorings there with uh, the uniforms. The Mets uh, shaking up their logo a little bit. Uh, let's read a little bit about that. And this article that I'm reading from is uh, on ESPN.com. So if you want to check it out, 
It's by Paul Lucas. Uh, a couple of days ago, it was posted. It's, it's called UniWatch, the 2017 MLB preview. And let's see, for the Mets, two small changes. First, the brim on the home alternate cap. That's the one usually worn with the blue home alternate jersey has been changed from orange to blue. This means the only alternate quote-unquote aspect of this cap is that the NY logo is outlined in white. So a little bit of uh, interesting stuff there. In addition, the sleeve patch on both of the team's blue alternate jerseys is being changed from the club's Mr. Met mascot character to the more traditional Skyline logo. And I... I kind of like that older Skyline logo myself. Oh, I like it, but I like Mr. Matt. It's fun. He's one of the most popular mascots in the game, and uh, why not give him his due on the uniform? I mean, I know they change it every couple of years, and that's to get people to buy things. Again, it's the money. It's all about the money. It's all the reason they do it, because then they say, oh, well, I got to have the newest, you know? Um <laughs> As far as the alternate cap go, I like the orange brim. It 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 made it different, you know. Um, now they're back to just the all blue again. It's dull. I'd like to see them come out with an orange hat for an alternate hat. Now, that would be sharp. Or an alternate jersey, you know, an orange jersey with blue royal blue letters. There are companies that make them and they're really sharp looking and why the Mets never did that I don't know but um, the hat is so it's kind of bland now the alternate hat at home and and as you said all they did was they removed the orange brim made it blue left the white underlining in the, the NY on the hat big deal blah 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 38 bucks they want to sell this for um and as far as the 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 uh, Mr. Met thing, you know, like I said, I don't know. It was fun. It was nice. It was you know embrace something else once in a while. You know we had the logo, the skyline logos on the regular pinstripe uniforms. Embrace something else. That's all. <laughs> let it let it all flow. Let it flow. Right. <laughs> and Gary, the Cubs, the World Series winning Cubs. Uh, basking in the glow of their long-sought World Series title, will come out onto the field for opening day in a gold-trimmed design being worn especially for the Cubbies' home opener. Um, It's gold-trimmed jersey, including a World Series sleeve patch. Yeah, and this is something new that started, I think, a couple years ago with the Giants, and the Royals did it last season. And... uh, you know, there are pictures from years and years and years ago, like 1905 or something, um, of the Giants, the New York Giants at the time, coming out in the field. And, and instead of having Giants on a uniform, they actually had on, like, 1904. I, my years are off, but uh, world champions on their jersey, and they wore those jerseys. But uh, they don't go that far, but the gold... Uh, I, you know, it's it's look uh, it, again. It's all about the money. I mean, now we have special hats and special uniforms for Mother's Day, Father's Day, July the fourth. Um, you know, I'm surprised they don't have one for Easter. I, <laughs> you know, um, I, it, 
Sadie Hawkins Day. Who I mean, you know, St. Patrick's Day. They got special hats for in spring training. It's just, uh, it's all, it's all cash, and people are buying it. Yes, they are. Uh, great, great thing. I mean, years ago you didn't have this. You had the uh, one or two designs for a team. Now you've got some choices, and there's plenty of fans out there uh, that love buying this merchandise don't see a thing wrong with it i love the gold accent for the uh, world championship team that following year i remember when the phillies won the world series now some nine years ago (laughs) and they came out on the field with the gold lettering in the back and i I just thought it was really classy so uh can't wait for this season to kick off and and first pitch to to get underway here. It's going to be like a national holiday uh, around many people's uh, houses and everybody going to the games, of course. Gary, uh, any special plans for opening week? I know you said you were going to the night game for the Mets. Yes, I'm going to the uh, second game, not the first. They got to be different. Everybody goes to opening day. I'm going to the second game. Uh, It is a night game. We'll probably freeze, but um, I think I'm going to be smart and bring a heavy winter jacket with me this year. And uh, uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though, Rich, Uh, seeing the ballpark again. It's always a thrill. Um, I always uh, have a gaping mouth when I walk into the ballpark uh, for the first time in the season just to see that green grass again and everything. Just... uh, it's always been a thrill. It's always been something that I enjoy doing. And, and uh, though, you know, it's it's a little different now with the ballparks. The old ballparks used to come out of the tunnel, and you didn't really see anything till you came out of that tunnel. Now they're pretty much open when you walk in, so you get to see little glimpses here and there. But it's always a thrill, and I'm uh, looking forward to going to that game. Yes, indeed. So we just want to let our listeners know that MLB.tv is also offering a free preview that goes through uh, April 1st, I believe, um, at midnight. So uh, this weekend you can catch some games and check out MLB.tv. If you're not a subscriber, you might want to jump on board. You can just about see every game that's played in the 2017 season and also have it DVR'd for you at any time. You can go back to it. MLB.tv. We highly recommend it on the show. Yeah, it certainly is uh, uh, a great thing to have. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show with our special guest, Hal Bach. Run out to Amazon.com, pick up this book that's available on Kindle, or you can get it shipped to you the old fashioned way. You might want to take it to the beach. Uh, when it gets uh, nice and summery uh, conditions out there. So check it out. And Gary, it was another great show. And I already can't wait to start next week's show when we talk about the first week of the season. And Rich will be able to talk about actual games that count. Yes, great deal. (laughs) That's great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next week on the Baseball Talk Radio Show. 